for us even here in Luling. You know, do y'all know the mayor? Does everybody know the mayor in Luling? Mayor Mike Hendricks. And he's a very good man, a very godly man. He's a good man. And uh, the city council, you know, we're getting to go pray uh, before the city council meetings now. Dennis Tungate was there Thursday night and prayed for the city council before their meetings. And I think it's awesome that we're able to get to do that again. So that's awesome. So let's go. Father, we pray for those who rule in our government. Uh, over us and and over this nation. We pray that they would seek the wisdom of God for the important decisions that they must make on our behalf. And we pray that they would rule well, be fair and honest to all Americans they represent. And Father, we pray that your will is that that we as Christians may live in peace. We want to live in peace in this nation. And so we pray for unity to prevail in our government, our nation, our state, and our local community, and even in our homes, Lord. We pray that we would do all our part to pray regularly for the fulfillment of the great commission which you have commanded the church to actively be involved in today. Thank you for answering our prayers today. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. 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 So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do one more message in the series today, and then I'm going to do a Christmas message next Sunday, especially, you know, especially for Christmas. And we're going to sing Christmas songs again next next Sunday and Wednesday night too. This coming Wednesday night, and then uh, after Christmas, I have another um, message that I'm going to start uh, in this series too. I got a few more messages to go in this series that we're in right now, passionately presenting God's grace and truth. But today we're going to talk about stopping immorality. How many of you believe that that there's something needs to be done to help stop? immorality in our nation what what, so what can we do you know that's the question everybody says what can we do we see it around us every day and we see things happening that i know uh, are, are not pleasing to god we see that stuff happening and what can we do and we but prayer is the first thing you can do is begin to pray for our people pray for people to have to come to the saving knowledge of jesus christ because let me tell you something the transformation of everybody's heart is what changes people not your behavior. Listen, we can all, uh, there's good people that aren't saved. Y'all know that. Yeah. There's good people that aren't saved. And, and hell is going to be full of good people. That's right. But heaven is going to be full of people who are saved. Yeah. And whether they were good or bad, if they're saved, they're going to heaven. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. How can they go to heaven if they're bad? Well, because they, 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 they depended on Jesus. They, they accepted Jesus for the payment of their bad. Amen? Amen? And when, when, you, when you accept Jesus as your Savior, then transformation begins from that day. Uh-huh. You get it? Not, not full maturity for anybody. Not full spiritual maturity for anybody. Not, you, you know, but that's our goal, is to, is to mature and grow and bear fruit. God wants us to bear fruit when we come to Him in salvation. He wants us to bear fruit. And if we'll yield to Him and listen to His voice and His leadership in our lives, we will bear fruit. We will change. We will grow and mature in the things of God. And, and the habits and all the bad habits and things that we had will eventually disappear. Not because of your discipline, but because of your knowledge and understanding of Him. 
See, you could keep all of the commandments that God has asked us to keep. And you could obey all the commandments. And even in the Old Testament, it was 613. You could keep them all, and you still wouldn't get to heaven because that is not the way of salvation. The way of salvation is not through obedience and discipline. The way of salvation is through accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior. It's not based on what you do or don't do. See, we got my dad could never understand it. I finally got him to understand that just a little bit before he died. And he understand he understood grace. He he loved Joseph Prince. He he watched Joseph Prince on TV and said, That man's the only one I've ever seen on TV. Know what he's talking about. He did, and he didn't like Japanese people. He's a redneck, he's you know. He didn't want to buy a Japanese car, you know, he wouldn't do that. He wouldn't buy a Toyota for nothing. Just because of the war, you know, and still holding all that stuff. My dad is silly. But but he understood grace. He got a hold of grace. And that's what, you know, it's hard to get religious people to really learn to accept grace. It's unearned, unmerited favor. That's exactly what it is. You don't do nothing to deserve it. None of you. You think all you're being good... Is, is, is making points with God. You don't make points with God. He knows everybody's heart to the core. And that's why you wonder sometimes, how can I go to heaven? I know my own heart. Uh-huh. So don't ever think that your good behavior and all your good deeds is going to get you there. You're, the only way you're going to get to heaven is by accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior and trust Him for your salvation. Faith. By grace. Alone. Not works. Lest any should boast. Amen. That's not even part of my sermon today. But I just wanted to get that out there. When God. Listen to this. When God isn't number one. In people's hearts. They begin to put their own rights. And their own feelings. Of the flesh. Above everything else. Can 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 we believe? Can we vouch for that? We know it's it's worked in our own lives. When God's not number one, we just put our own stuff in front. Uh, it always comes primary to God. Other things, but God wants to put Him first. And listen, listen. That's one thing we can pray for our nation is that people learn to put God first in their lives. People that you know who put God first. God blesses. Girls, you're looking for a man? You find a man that puts God first. You got a man there. Amen. 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 I want to pray right now because I just need to pray that that your ears are open. Father, I pray for right now for open ears. And I don't just mean physical ears, but spiritual ears to hear what you have to say to people today here in this church. Thank, I thank you for every person who's in this room right now to hear the truth of your word through grace that they will, they will receive the word and it will change and transform their minds and their thinking in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm not trying to hypnotize you. I'm not trying to 
change your mind, but God is, and God wants to transform us. You know, people used to say, oh, you people out there at Maranatha, y'all are just brainwashed. They used to say that about us. Y'all just brainwashed. Why? We needed our brainwashed, amen? Our brains were dirty, filthy. We stunk. Amen. But in Christ, we smell beautiful. We smell beautiful. Wherever we are, wherever we are spiritually, it doesn't matter. You know, I used to think I never catch up with Kim spiritually because I come home from work. She's always on the bed reading the Bible. I said, I ain't never going to catch up with her. She's going to learn so much more than me and always have much more. I'll never catch up. But it's not about that. It's not about gaining more. But when you grow in your knowledge and understanding of that relationship you cultivate with God, man, you're going to mature. You're going to grow. You're going to learn things. You're going to have common sense. God's going to give you common sense. Praise God. <laughs> That's why it's called common. It pours out of Him to us. We need common sense. Amen. And God wants to bless us with understanding. It comes from Him. It all comes from Him. The Bible says in Proverbs, get wisdom. Get wisdom. And then get some more. Just keep getting wisdom. Wisdom is the beginning of knowledge. Knowledge is the beginning of wisdom. And wisdom is, comes from God. If any of you lack wisdom, it says, ask. Ask Him and He will give it. Amen. So, people that, 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 that don't put God number one in their hearts, they begin to uh, put their own rights and their own feelings of their flesh above everything else. Father, help us to hear everything you're having to say today. Help us to hear it in Jesus' name. Amen. Their standards change and immorality rises when, when God is not number one in their lives. Studying the Bible... We can see how the nation of Israel prospered when it follows after God's Word. You can read all through the Old Testament, read through a lot of those books and Kings and other places, and, and you'll see when, when Israel obeyed God and they followed after the things of God, that nation prospered. Yeah. God's hand was a favor was on them, and He blessed them. When they didn't follow God, evil things happened to them. And many times they were destroyed and destroyed. And the same would be true for any and every nation, even today, which follows after God's Word. If we follow after God's Word, we'll be a nation who prospers. We, real, we really will. The Old Testament book of Leviticus has much to say about immorality. Have you all ever read Leviticus? Yeah. <laughs> Two or three. It's kind of It's kind of boring. But I want to tell you something. It, 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 from the looks of the society and the culture we have here in America today, it looks like nobody's read it. Yeah. Or they think, well, it's just an old book. It doesn't even apply to today. But how many of you know Jesus is what? The living word. The same yesterday, today, and forever. Forever. God's word is forever. You got that? So Leviticus, in Leviticus 18, in Leviticus chapter 18, the Lord instructs Moses in his statutes for the children of Israel. If you brought your Bibles today, and I hope you did, I'm going to read a little bit of Scripture for us. And, uh, and let me just tell you, my, my, my heart in this message today is not to be contentious, but to be full of grace and truth for you. Because I think 
I, I just honestly believe if, if every church would begin to preach messages of the truth of God and His Word today, we would change the, the atmosphere of this, this community here in Luling. I'm going to do my part here in Luling to preach the truth with grace. And I pray that you would catch a hold of that as well. Don't, don't be mean. See, truth without grace is mean, but grace without truth is meaningless. So we've got to have both. You've got to have a balance in there. So let's read Leviticus chapter 18. Uh, I'm just going to read verses 1 through 5 and, uh, from the New Living Testament. Did you have those? So then the Lord said to Moses, this is just kind of a foundation few verses. Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. God spoke to Moses. He's telling Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. I am the Lord your God. Verse 3. So, so do not act like the people in Egypt where you used to live or like the people of Canaan where I am taking you. You must not imitate their way of life. You must obey all my regulations and be careful to obey my decrees for I am the Lord your God. If you obey my decrees and my regulations... You will find life through them. I am the Lord. Okay. Now, verses 6 through 20. And I've just given you this reference because I don't want to read them all. It's, it's very critical that you read them all and that you know them. Okay. I didn't want to take the time to do that today. But I want you to read them when you go home. Or you can read them right now. But you better listen to me. Keep listening to me. But verses 6 through through. Uh, it should be 6 through 20. I don't know if it's... Did I put 30 on there? Maybe it did. Go ahead and read that too. Read, that's all the way to the end, I believe. But they, they speaks particularly about immoral... Verses 6 through 20 speaks particularly about immoral sexual sins. And I'm not going to read them, but I strongly suggest you all do so because we, we have a world around us today who are saying, these things are okay. These things are just, what you know, because I remember back in the 60s, what was the song? There was a song, Love the One You're With. You remember that? I forget who sang that. Was it the Eagles? Love the One You're With. This didn't matter. Sex didn't matter. Man, the 60s and 70s, it was terrible. I grew up then. And if you weren't around, it was just like the hippies and Woodstock. And y'all remember all that? And it was just, people just didn't, they just were... Free-spirited, do whatever they want to do. A lot of, some of y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Well, you were here, Weldon. <laughs> but I strongly suggest you read those verses in Leviticus there. And, and, and you tell me they don't pertain to today. They are absolutely for today. So, so you can learn for yourself what the Word of God has to say on this. And verse 22 specifically addresses the sin of homosexuality. Verse 22, Leviticus 18, verse 22, specifically addresses the sin of homosexuality. They're trying to even make that hate speech for me to even say what I just said. But I'm just quoting the Bible. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. And then we're going to go to a New Testament scripture here in a moment. But read these verses so you'll know the truth. And I advise you to read the entire chapter of Leviticus 18. Now, also in the New Testament, Romans chapter 1, and I'm going to go there. 
And I want to read 1, chapter 1, 16, verse 16 through uh, 32 in the Passion Translation. It says, I refuse to be ashamed of sharing the wonderful message of God's liberating power. This is Paul. Now, the Apostle Paul wrote this for the church. I refuse to to be ashamed of sharing the wonderful message of God's liberating power unleashed in us through Christ. For I am thrilled to preach that everyone who believes is saved, the Jew first and then people everywhere. This gospel unveils a continual revelation of God's righteousness, a perfect Righteousness given to us when we believe and it moves us from receiving life through faith to the power of living life by faith or living by faith. This is what the scripture means when it says we are right with God through life giving faith. Verse 18, for for God in heaven unveils his holy anger, breaking forth against every form of sin. God hates sin. He hates every kind of sin. Amen. Every kind, both toward ungodliness that lives in hearts and evil actions. For the wickedness of humanity deliberately smothers the truth and keeps people from acknowledging the truth about God. In reality, verse 19, in reality, the truth of God is known instinctively, for God has embedded this knowledge inside every human heart. What do you mean, Pastor? You ever see a baby when a baby hears music? They just instinctively begin to dance. God has, he, he, listen, he breathed into Adam spirit. Spirit. When he breathed into Adam, he breathed his spirit into Adam. And every human being from that moment on has been breathed, God breathed into every one of us. The spirit of God is in every one of us. His creation, his beautiful creation. And y'all may not have ever even thought of that. But that's the truth. And he says it's, it's here. It's, in reality, the truth of God is known instinctively for God has embedded this knowledge inside every human heart. Opposition to truth cannot be excused on the basis of ignorance. You can't, you can't say, I never heard. I didn't know. Because it's in you to know. And people are searching. People are searching. And it's only found the truth in him. Because from the creation of the world, the invisible qualities of God's nature have been made visible, such as his, his eternal power and transcendence. He has made his wonderful attributes easily perceived. For seeing the visible makes us understand the invisible. We get revelation, in other words, of who God is. So then this leaves everyone without excuse. You got no excuse. No excuse, especially you sitting in this room this morning again. Amen. No excuse. Throughout human history, the fingerprints of God were upon them, yet they refused to honor Him as God or even be thankful for His kindness. Instead, they entertained corrupt and foolish thoughts about what God was like. This left them with nothing but misguided hearts steeped in moral darkness. Although claiming to be wise, they were in fact shallow fools. For only a fool would trade the unfading splendor of the immortal God to worship the fading image of human, of other humans, idols made to look like people, animals, birds, and even creeping reptiles. 
This is why God lifted off his restraining hand and let them have full expression of their sinful and shameful desires. He said, that's what they want. If that's what they want. He loves them so much. He doesn't want to do that. But they refuse to believe the truth. They were given over to moral depravity. Over to moral depravity. Dishonoring their bodies by sexual perversion among themselves. All because, listen, all because they traded the truth of God for a lie. They worshipped and served the things God made rather than the God who made all things. Glory and praises to Him forever and ever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over to their own disgraceful and vile passions, inflamed with lust for one another. Men and women ignored the natural order and exchanged normal sexual relations for homosexuality. Women engaged in lesbian conduct, and men committed shameful acts with men, receiving in themselves the due penalty for their deviation. I don't think you're going to hear this in many churches today. Because they thought it was worthless to embrace the true knowledge of God, God gave, God gave them over to a worthless mindset to break all rules of proper conduct. Their sinful lives became full of every kind of evil, wicked schemes, greed, and cruelty. Their hearts overflowed with jealous cravings and with conflict and strife which drove them into hateful arguments and murder. They are deceitful liars full of hostility, they are gossips who love to spread malicious slander. We've seen any of that lately? With inflated egos, they hurl hateful insults at God, yet they are nothing more than arrogant boasters. They are rebels against their parents and totally immoral. They are senseless, faithless, ruthless, heartless, and completely merciless. Although they are fully aware of God's laws and proper order and knowing that those who do all these things deserve to die, yet they still go headlong into darkness, encouraging others to do the same and applauding them when they do. Amen. That's, now, that's, that's some strong truth for us. But I, I want to just encourage you. God loves all these people. He, he sent His Son to die for every one of them. Everybody. Everybody. And He doesn't want anybody to fall into this kind of sin. Or any sin. Amen? Sin, sin is sin. Christians should stand firmly against the idea of gay marriage slash Slash same-sex marriage. We should stand firmly against that. That is not of God. I'm sorry. It's not of God. It, it is a perversion of the institution of marriage and an offense to the God who created marriage. Listen, God hates all sin but loves all people. And His power is available to deliver every sinner from whatever the sin and set them free. Do you know, we we got sinners in this room. Yeah. we got a lot of saints in here too. Amen. I want to tell you something. If you've been saved, 
by the blood of Jesus Christ, you are no longer a sinner. You are a saint. So don't you ever call yourself a sinner. No religious people don't like that. They don't like that because they know they still sin. Oh, yeah, we still sin. But Jesus calls us a saint when we come to him because he's paid for the sin. He's paid for the sin. Now, we don't go out and practice sin. We don't continually do that. The Holy Spirit will tell you, he'll tell you, that is not who you are. He won't condemn you. He, he won't call you a filthy stinking, you're a bum. He won't say that. He will tell you this is not who you are. You remember Jesus? Repent. You know what repent actually means? Repent. That's what John the Baptist preached. Good Baptist. No, he was But he preached repentance. And repentance, you know what repentance actually means? Turn back to the cross. So when you repent, after you, and yes, you're saved when you repent and give your life to Christ. And then you're going you're gonna to continue. You fall into sin. You stumble. You fall. You make mistakes. You turn back to the cross and remember Jesus paid for my sin. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I repent. I come back to the cross. God doesn't want you, any of you, to sit around and dwell on your sin. He doesn't want us to get up every morning and, and think about all the sins I did yesterday and ask for, permit, ask for repentance. Lord, I'm sorry for this and this and this I did yesterday. He doesn't want us getting up every day thinking about our sin because Jesus took care of your sin and mine on the cross 2,000 years ago. He wants you to think about that, not your sin. Amen? And when you do something wrong, when you do something wrong, you say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, God. There's nothing wrong with saying I'm sorry to God. He knows your heart. He knows our hearts. And He knows we're not perfect. That's why He sent the only perfect one who could deliver us and set us free. His only Son. He's perfect. Thank God I don't have to measure up because He did. But I have to look up. And I have to hold on to Him. I have to rely upon Him. I have to count on Him. He loves me that much. Amen. Stopping morality. Stopping morality. Immorality. <laughs> Stopping morality. Not, not morality. So when a nation's people begin to leave the boundaries of God's Word, crime, crimes break out and morals decline. We took God out of the schools. We took prayer out of the schools. We take, we're trying to remove God or any symbols of God or religion of Christianity. We're trying to take them and remove them from off of the face of the earth. And as we do that, morals, morality declines. Because we're removing the only one who can deliver us and set us free. Yes. Amen. I mean, it's just crazy. And if we do this, continue down this path, anything and everything becomes excusable. Like here in America, people think that in the name of freedom, in the name of freedom, that we have a right to do whatever we want to do. Never caring if that violates the freedoms of others whatsoever. If that's what I want to do, I'm going to do it. Bob Yandian said this. He said, when freedom becomes license, anarchy is next. People will break out of their boundaries. 
And we're headed for disaster. When people are ignorant of God's word, his standards, and his morals, they find they can easily violate any law. Any law. And we see the crime that's taking place today. The, the, the people who are getting killed in, you know, in mass murders and mass shootings and all this, and they still want to blame a gun. It's people. It's not guns. It's people. It's the people with the guns. My gun's been in my closet for a couple of years now. He ain't, ain't shot nobody. It's people's hearts. It's people's hearts that are cold. Boundaries must be kept. And listen, from one generation to another, or moral decay sets in. I think, I believe now for the past 70 years, we've had a moral decay because it hasn't been passed on to their kids and then those kids haven't passed it on to their kids and then we're in the generation today that doesn't know any of this stuff. Nobody's, I bet you we're in a generation today that not hardly anybody's ever read Leviticus 18 or Romans chapter 1. Parents can't expect children to remain in line simply because that's the way things are. They're just supposed to do that. <laughs> well, when they look at the world around them, they're saying, well, they're doing it. If they're doing it, I guess it's okay if I do it. But with God's authority enforcing the boundary, one generation can teach another about the importance of God's Word, that it is still true that there are consequences of sin, sin basically meaning violating God's standards, and that there are blessings for abiding in His Word. Yes, amen. All they have to do is read the Bible. You know, it's a good time every year. This is we're coming up on the first of the year, and if and let me just I'm gonna put a I'm gonna put a sign up sheet out there. If you'd like a one year Bible, it's called a one year Bible, and it has a reading plan for every day. And you read through the Bible. You read that every day. It don't take you. It don't take you fifteen, twenty minutes to read what it tells you to read for that day. And then you read it all the way through. You have read the Bible all the way through in one year. So we'll put a sign-up sheet out there, Pam, when you get a chance, and we'll order some for people for the first of the year, so they can start. But it's a good. It's good to read the Bible. And if you just can't, if you just can't. Discipline yourself to do it. A one-year Bible really helps you stay in, in line. If you, get back, if you get behind a couple of days, you go back and read them and catch up. It's very good. I've done it several times. It's good. Okay, so today our society challenges people to go ahead and find out what the other side is like. You know, we're telling people, oh, come on. You know, you see the commercials on TV. You've got to go for the gusto. You gotta live the life, you know. Just go for it. Yeah, there, it's all out there for you. You see all the commercials uh, showing everything, advertising everything, how life looks this way or that way, and they, they they just put it in our face every day. This is right. This is good. No, it's not. Law didn't originate with man. It originate with God. Originated with God, and so then enforcement also originated with God. Amen. The enforcement of laws. All of mankind will stand before God one day. Whether you're a sinner or a saint. And give an account. All of us. Every one of us. And do you know the problems we have today? They're not new. These are not new problems we're seeing today. 
This was happening 2000. Israel had the same kinds of problems thousands of years ago. And we may have different names for our problems like pornography, sexual permissiveness, homosexuality, abortion, adultery, fornication, gluttony, lying, stealing. Oh, here's another one. Hating others. Y'all didn't even know that was a sin, did you? Just hate right away. Just go hate. Haters. But they're all sin. They're really all sin. You know, Jesus said if you hate if you hate a person in your heart, you're actually committed murder or you're committing murder. He made it harder. Jesus didn't excuse sin. He made it stronger. He made the sin stronger. Listen, there's nothing wrong with our questioning God about His Word to gain a deeper understanding. But a nation that blatantly violates and challenges the authority of God's Word and those that preach it is headed for destruction. When people leave God's Word, they begin to rebel against authority. You ever seen that? Has it happened in your home? (laughs) A common saying in the late 50s and early 60s was, God is dead. You remember that? They were saying back then, oh, God is dead. They put it on the cover of a magazine back then. I don't remember if it was a Time magazine or which one. They put it on the cover. God is dead. People rebelled against the military by burning their draft cards against the police and against the nation itself, they protest and, and put the most vulgar signs you could ever see on public, in the public arena. By the 70s, a general permissiveness had crept in. But today, the silent majority is no longer silent. People who know God's Word are standing up and declaring not their opinions, but what is right. What is right. It's not my opinion today. This is what is right. The false prophets of Hosea's day. Read the book of Hosea too. It's a great book. Read the book of Hosea. The false prophets of of Hosea's day told the people not to listen to the prophets of God. Have you heard people saying that today? Don't listen to those Christians. They don't know what they're talking about. They're they're antiques. The Bible is is antique. It's old. It's not relevant to today. They're, te- they're trying to keep you from reading the Bible because they know that's where the truth lies. They told him there, they tell people there's no judgment coming. And then we have a former president's son doing a commercial on television and just mocking Judgment Day. He said, I'm not afraid of burning in hell. He said that on TV. Mocking. The truth of God's Word. Amen. They challenged the authority of God's Word and challenged the prophets of God as to the coming judgment. Hosea 4.6, the Message Bible says it like this. My people are ruined because they don't know what's right or true. Because you've turned your back on knowledge, I've turned my back on you priests. Because you refuse to recognize, he's talking about the false prophets there. Because you refuse to recognize the revelation of God I'm no longer recognizing your children. That's what God told those priests in Hosea's day. My people is referring to God's people within a nation who are the salt of the earth, the preservers of the nation. Rejecting the authority of God's word will destroy an entire nation. 
We can't allow that, people. We can't allow that. All the sin and evils we are currently seeing in our nation and in the world today are symptoms of the worst evil. The disease itself is a rejection of God's Word. That's just it. That's just, in a nutshell, that's it. They reject God's Word. We can become involved discussing the many specific things wrong in our nation and try to correct them individually. But because each problem is only a symptom, once we correct it, it will return. It will come back. We must eliminate the cause to heal the disease. As Christians, we have a responsibility to be active, actively involved in the election processes of political leaders. But the success of a nation doesn't depend upon its legislators. It depends upon the church. The church. We don't look to, we don't look to Donald Trump as a savior. We don't look to any political leaders as our savior. And they're going to get us out of this mess. We look to the church. We go to the church. And the church should be the ones who lead this charge. We Well, that's what my preacher said. And I didn't know if that was right or not. But you know now. We can stop the works of the devil by rising up, preaching and ministering God's Word, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Word. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it's the knowledge of God's Word that brings boundaries, that brings morality and peace into a country. It's the knowledge of His Word. If people know the truth and, they, and they, their heart comes to Christ, they, they, they have a heart change, they come to Christ, all of this stuff will stop. Right. All of this evil will cease. Yes. Psalm thirty-three, twelve. The, the Passion Translation says it like this. Blessed and prosperous is the nation who has God as their Lord. They will be the people He has chosen for His own. Yes. I want to be one of those people. Yes. I want to be in that nation. Yes. Hallelujah. And it's just, this is for every nation, just like... It's just, just like the Holy Spirit is for every church and every believer. This is for every nation in the world. God died for the whole world. He didn't just die for America and Israel. He died for the whole world. And this is for every nation who will follow after God. The nations will prosper. The church today needs to gain back its savor. And rise up to stop the evil influences of Satan. He's real. And he works through people. God works through people. And we can and we are going to fight him all the way. The strength of a nation is in the people of God. Amen? And we need to do our part. We need to stand up. We need to do what God's called us to do. Second Chronicles 7.14. Everybody knows this scripture. Yeah. And it's an Old Testament scripture. And I'll explain that in a minute. But he says, if my people who are called by my name. Who's that? Me. Amen. That's me. Yeah. Will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now I want to tell you. This is an Old Testament scripture, but you're already forgiven. You're already forgiven. 
God's forgiven you. And you're turning from your wicked ways. But He's hearing from heaven now. And He's going to heal this land. We believe God's already sent healing to this land. And I'm going to believe for healing to come to this land. I'm believing for a great awakening. A third awakening coming to this nation again. And sweep around the world. The greatest thing we can do to help our nation besides praying is to attend church and receive knowledge of God's Word. That's what we can do. That's what we can do. We can gain knowledge of God and His Word and cultivate a relationship with Christ. And it's not just going to change your house, but it'll change everybody's house. If we begin to teach this to our children and regain the generations that we've lost. Then we should go into the world where we live as the salt of the earth and spread the gospel and become doers of the word. Not just hearers, but doers. Amen? Amen. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Are y'all liking this or are you hating me? Amen. Woo! Stopping immorality can only happen when revival happens in every heart of a nation happens in every heart. And listen, that's God's will. You don't have to question that. You don't have to wonder if that's God's will. Yes, it is. It's God's will for the whole planet to be saved. It's God's will. We know that's not going to happen. But we're going to believe for it to happen. And we're just going to keep on until we see things happen and change. Amen? Amen? Let's each one do our part in growing in knowledge and understanding. And in fellowship with our God. He's a loving God. He loves us. He hates sin, but He loves men. He loves us all. He wants to see everybody saved and whole whole in their life. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Wow! Let's pray. I got through a little early. I want to read something real quick to you. Because you need to hear it. I got a little time. Let me read it before we pray. Uh, Oh, by the way, I just pulled this up off the internet the other day. I want to share this first. We have a picture here. I got a picture here of the, the Oval Office. There's President Trump in the middle here. Kerry Job is right behind him. Cody Carnes, Brian Houston. These are all people from Hillsong and worship, worship teams around the nation around, and even from around the world. They're all in the Oval Office, and they said they worshiped in there, and uh, it's awesome. Now, see, that is awesome to me. Amen? Amen. I like to see things like that in the White House. Amen. But listen to this girl. Uh, she wrote this article, and I got this article a few years ago. But listen to what it says. It said, a recent, it says, who's responsible for our moral decline? A, a recent Gallup poll, moral acceptability. It changes over time. <clears throat> Shows Americans made a startling move to the left over the past 15 years. A blanket blaming of the church is the easy answer. But today where black and white has faded into varying shades of gray, we are better served going back to where it began because we, we didn't get where we are today overnight. Amen? Y'all, y'all know that. Yeah. But it says, America's moral decline began with Presidents Woodrow Wilson and Franklin D. Roosevelt. Their arrogant defiance and blatant hostility toward the U.S. Constitution inspired them to lead an insurrection from the Oval Office effectively convincing good people that government dependence is a morally acceptable alternative to dependence on God, family, community, and self. Progressive Godfather, FDR, did what what progressives do best, hijacking the crisis at hand, the Great Depression, 
and molding the U.S. government into a pseudo-God. Although both New Deals failed on multiple levels, some of the programs and subsidies permanently persuaded people that an interventionist government is good. That was not enough. Progressive un progressives understood the God factor must be removed to accomplish their goal of secularization, wherein religion loses culture and social significance. In 1947, the Supreme Court, largely packed with FDR appointees, decided the First Amendment in instituted a wall of separation. That's where it began. That's where it came from, between church and state in Everson versus Board of Education. In so doing, they were able to separate morality and ethics from government and daily life. Hence the moral mess that we see today. A, few, a recent Pew survey found that in 1990, 86% of Americans identified as Christians, and today, just 70%. 86% in 1990, and today, 70%. Interesting, interestingly, mainline Protestant denominations such as Methodist, Lutheran, Presbyterian, and Episcopalian who have consciously dimmed their own bulbs in recent years to remain relevant to the demands of pop culture dropped from 50% in 1958 to 14% in 2015. As mosques are being raised at record levels in towns and cities across America and Europe, Churches are increasingly vacated. Today, more often than not, Jesus' command for Christians to be light in a dark world is translated, let's keep it subdued so no one needs to squint. In fashion photography, some soft light works because it helps to conceal the unvarnished reality. In sharp contrast, pure light reveals an honest picture, flaws and all. Interestingly, when Jesus revealed himself to the Christian persecutor, Saul, he appeared in light so harsh and offensively bright that Saul was temporarily blinded. You remember reading about that? Saul's blindness slowed him down long enough to see the contrast between truth and lies, right and wrong, leading to a conversion so complete his name was changed from Saul to Paul. And some would, ra would rather spread buttercream icing over cow manure than call this moral decline for what it is. Aren't you glad I didn't say the other word? <laughs> Vanderbilt University professor of law and political science, Edward L. Rubin, says, America's nosedive into the moral abyss is nothing to fret because we are just shifting to a new morality based on a concept of self Fulfillment. And that's what I'm going to be talking on after Christmas. Self-gratification. Because that's what, that's what this morality turned into. A self-fulfillment. Rubin suggests this fluffed up version of hedonism is making people uncomfortable because they are feeling rapidly pulled between two moralities. Paul and Saul, Paul, wrote about the same struggle in Romans 7, finding uh, true believers to hold fast to God's law, not giving into the new morality he calls sin. The only way progressivism wins is without the presence of absolute truth. Uh, these politicians today call themselves progressives. They're not getting my vote. I'm not going to empower those kind of people. I'm not going to empower those kind of people. Without it, 
Without it, morality is defined by the ever-changing social whims. What's wrong today is right tomorrow. Truth is, it's impossible to define morality with a plum, without a plumb line or a divine standard. Wandering outside, wandering outside already established boundaries since the beginning of time gets us where we are today. History demonstrates it. Polls prove it. Empty pews show it. Progressives love it. Amen. It's, it's, we've got to do our part, people, as a church. Do y'all love me? Yeah. I love God. And I love you too. And Kim loves you. She's sending her kisses to you. Amen. Let's pray. We need to pray. Father, I thank you for the Word of God, the truth of your Word. Help me, help me, Lord, to, to, to be pure in my heart. To stand firmly on the truth of your word. Lord, this, the, your word cannot be compromised in any way. We must all become uh, so strong in our belief that, that sin is not going to be good for any person. Sin leads to destruction. Sin has consequences today. And, and, and what is sin? What your word says it is. It's not what... It's not what the world says it is. It's not what the culture says it is. It's not what society says it is. It's what your word says it is. And so that's our plumb line. That's, that's our standard. That's, if we're Christians, then that's what we believe and that's what we stand on. And I believe that's what you want in this world today, Lord. A return to morality from your word. Bless every person here today. Lord, I pray that as they go through the the Christmas holidays, that you'll be with each and every person and in their families. May they be blessed and come to a closer and, and saving knowledge of you and who you are, what you want to do in our lives. Help everyone to come to Christ this season. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.